In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. This thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here, and we have an awesome guest today. Once again, I've been getting some great ones. And this one, today we're going to talk about apps, where they are in 2019, how to build one. They're building amazing ones. Uh, before I get started, a little uh, promo from our sponsor. You know, if you're looking to sell your app or become an authority because of an app, online video can help you a lot. The problem is which videos to create, how to videos format, who will shoot them, and who will edit them. Go to storycruise.com. Whether you're looking for a videographer near you that understands your marketing strategy, go to Story Cruise. Or you need a simple executable video strategy, go to Story Cruise. Or find an editor, go to Story Cruise. It's your ultimate resource for video marketing. Christopher White is our guest today from the Sneaker Agency in New York City. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited. And if you guys hear any uh, sounds. It is the genuine sounds of the city. <laughs> Watching the video, you can see straight up north. You can see all of beautiful New York. And uh, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, man. Super excited to be here. Really, really grateful. Uh, looking forward to talking apps, man. Yeah. So, I mean, apps. You know, it's funny because obviously, you know, seven, eight years ago, it was like everyone had to have an app. And then it kind of, it, it's been up and down and up and down. Um, where do you see this? Let's talk a little bit about who you've worked with because so people understand that you are an expert in apps. So tell me a little bit about the types of companies that you've helped build apps for. Yeah, well, we work with uh, a number of different types of clients. Uh, we work with startups, uh, enterprise clients, and we also work with agencies. Uh, and so through those different relationships, we've done work with, uh, folks such as Pepsi, uh, we're currently working with uh, a bigger name uh, fitness brand, uh, sort of a little under NDA right now, uh, soon to be launched. Um, you know, so we're getting into more of that side of the space, uh, particularly with uh, Android, as there's a bigger shift now for people playing some catch up on the Android side of the spectrum. Um, we've recently been working with the Infatuation on uh, redoing their iOS app which has been a really fun and, and challenging project. Um, you know, but yeah, those would be uh, just a few. Yeah. I mean, those are some big names. And later on the show, we're going to talk about what goes into really making an app that works the, you know, what uh, Chris and I were talking about before, you know, what's really important right now, but let's talk a little bit about the state of the app market. Who should be building apps and you know, what's really working in mm -hmm. apps and getting downloads and users and all that stuff. I think that um, there definitely was a correction in the app space, uh, you know, as you sort of hinted seven, eight years ago, you know, everybody and their grandmother needed an app. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think uh, 
I think right now there's been uh, a couple key consolidations. One is that for a lot of industries, things have just consolidated around platforms. So, you know, if you're in a restaurant, you probably don't have your own app anymore. You're just making sure that your restaurant's on all the different platforms. So you're on Resi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then I do think that there are still unique situations for brands that you wouldn't expect, like Dollar Shave Club. They have an app. It's actually a really cool app. Um, what does it do? It actually has a lot of content, a lot of great content. Um, Dollar Shave Club does you know, a great job with their product. But when you get their product, they have like a cool little printed, like sort of a little thing in the box. But they've also been translating that to like a fun digital experience too. So I think even for brands where you don't engage, you wouldn't think to engage with a brand like that all the time. Like you just set up your subscription and forget it. You could still, if you need to manage your subscription via their app, but you could also uh, actually get a lot of good, fun, engaging content. Um, so that I think is, is one direction that some bigger brands are going into. Um, I think augmented reality is uh, we discussed a little bit prior to the show is uh, really interesting, uh, particularly in the fashion space. There are some really cool apps where you can basically try on sneakers virtually. Uh, have you ever tried one of these? I have not. What, can you give me Pretty a name of a couple? Cost. Yeah, yeah. You got to try. Uh, check out Wanna Kicks, W-A-N-N-A space Kicks. Um, pretty mind-blowing stuff. Like You can pretty much hold your phone like over your feet and just like swipe through and like try on different sneakers. And it's, it's pretty amazing how accurate it is in terms of like lining, lining it up with your, with your feet. It gets a little janky, you know, if you move your foot or, or if you're near things, but overall, like the quality of it's like, it's pretty wild. Um, so I think that the commerce space is going to change a lot with respect to its relationship to mobile over the coming next couple of years uh, as well. And then, um, yeah, as I sort of hinted at before, I think that there's a big shift for folks to make sure that they're doing a really good job on Android as well. I think that that's a, a big piece of momentum that we see too. There's definitely a lot of brands that typically launch first on iOS, and that's still very common today even. Um, you know, even though Apple isn't like even the, the top seller of smartphones, uh, most people still, at least here in the States, want to uh, develop their phone for the, their app for iPhones first, but given how large uh, of a population there are of Android u- users, both growing here in the states but also internationally, uh, I think a lot of uh, brands are now starting to pay a lot more attention to Android. Um, yeah, obviously Android's growing. Uh, I mean, the app market is, is still there, um, and so I want to get into augmented reality in a little bit. But who do you think should really be developing an app that maybe isn't or, you know, and if we can talk industry or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or even specific companies, who do you think should be developing apps that probably isn't and should be thinking about it in a different way? Yeah, that's a really interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I'd, I don't know, I'd have to go back to even my Dollar Shave Club example of like a direct consumer brand. I think a lot of direct consumer brands are just thinking about web right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value that they could be bringing to their users via mobile apps. 
So that would be, you know, I mean, doing it via website is just a no-brainer. I mean, you have to have your website and, you know, usually people that want to place their orders via their, their sites and stuff. But tying that back to uh, a mobile experience of some sort as well, I think, has a lot of value for these brands. Um, that makes a lot of sense too, because then, I mean, because it's the customer acquisition is so important and staying in contact with them. And then, yeah, it, and you can, like a lot of people get most of their alerts from their apps. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean the push capabilities alone, you know, um, there's, there's things that you can do, uh, with a mobile app that are just really hard to do on web or that you can do via mobile web that are, but they're just kind of janky you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, um, for those kind of brands, they're, they're probably going to step up and start doing more stuff in that space. Um, I think there's a lot of, in, you know, room in the co-working space for mobile mm-hmm. apps. Um, you know, we a big player. I think they've done a great job of building out like their whole digital ecosystem. And so I think a lot of the other like co-working spaces that are trying to compete with WeWork, need to like probably step up a lot of their game and especially on the mobile side. Um, you know, they, they've really done a great job of like even onboarding you activating your key card, like you can pretty much do like anything via like your WeWork mobile app. So I would say that space, uh, I think real estate is an interesting, you know, mm-hmm. sort of general space. There's definitely players in that world. Um, been established for a while now here in New York, street easies and stuff like that. But a lot of them haven't updated their technology in a while and younger users don't really like them as much. So I think uh, there's definitely some more room for disrupting uh, things in the real estate space. That probably ties back to maybe some different types of business models that people want to do in the real estate space. But I think that there's, you know, definitely opportunity there. Um, Travel is also really interesting. I think that you're going to start seeing a lot more smarter, like a lot smarter types of travel experiences via mobile where it's more curated for you, you know, using uh, machine learning or AI, you know, coming up with ways to sort of take the pain out of planning trips and travel. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of movement uh, in the travel space too, on awesome. mobile. So, and let's talk a little bit about augmented reality AR because I think it's one of those things that's really cool. Um, you know, if if you haven't seen it, that's it, basically where you can. Well, I'll have you describe it because you're probably better at describing it to me. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I describe augmented reality as you know a situation where using your phone you're able to see something in the real world that's not actually there, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. probably like the most simple non uh, technical way that I can uh, describe it. And so as I was noting before, you know, now let's say like beauty apps and, and fashion apps, you're able to see how sneakers would look on your feet, you know, without uh, them actually being there in, in reality. Uh, and it's getting pretty realistic, pretty good quality. Um, and it's only going to keep improving. Uh, makeup apps, they're letting you like just put on a whole facial makeover, you know, completely within 
an app-driven experience with no physical makeup whatsoever. Uh, so I think it's bridging, you know, something that you want to see in real life with like just what you can see and do on your phone, that that makes augmented reality really interesting. Um, services like House, where you can like sort of design rooms, you know, using virtual reality, uh, lay out the dimensions of the room, place furniture in it, you know, all of these types of things um, companies are doing. And they're definitely going to just keep, you know, they're going to keep pushing the boundaries on this stuff. And soon enough, probably the bigger brands will sort of pick up on it and try to play catch up too. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, uh, one of the examples I saw too, I don't know if you've seen this is like 19 crimes wine uh, did a great job with it. And because they took and not, they augmented their, they use an app, right. But they mm-hmm. also told stories on each of the labels and you and combine video with the app so that you can look and now you have a video and you have storytelling and it really engages and brings that brand to a whole new level. Um, it's really, really cool. And so, and that's brings me to another question. Obviously, you know, I'm big into video, video marketing, um, uh, video is a discussion that we had and until we met, um, how do you see video being used now? What are the keys to really creating great video inside of an app? Yeah. Wow. That's, well, <laughs> I, that's a, two big questions. A, giving me the easy ones. Um, <laughs> well, I think that like, I think that, um, you know, video on mobile, short form content is always best you know, a couple minutes tops people seem to like and respond to. Um, that said, I, I sometimes watch Netflix movies on the way home on the subway, you know, um, mm-hmm. they, you know, a lot of the, the video platforms have gotten a lot better at buffering content. And so, you know, you can be underground for quite a while and it'll just keep playing. And when it gets to the next station, like it'll just keep buffering. Um, you know, so depending on your platform, I mean, if it's long form video, you know, I think you want to, have creative ways to buffer content for people or let them take stuff offline. Um, even for kids, you know, that's a big plus who have like limited data plans, uh, you know, for other social media apps. I think it's always best to try and focus on short form content. Um, and then I don't know, newer areas like 360 video. I don't know as much about it. I think those areas are still, uh, coming into the fore and, and unfortunately I think you need like more like headset gear stuff and other things for those. But uh, I'm definitely like curious on where things like that are going to go or if it'll just continue to be more of like a novelty uh, since you sort of need more hardware associated with it sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, the, that's one of those things you never know what's going to take off, but I think it's, it's important to be thinking about video. So let's talk a little bit about what goes in, like, how do you create a great app? Um, and when someone comes to work with sneaker agency and, and wants to create an app, what's the process to making sure it's an effective, fantastic outcome? Mm-hmm. Well, we start with a very detailed, uh, discovery process. The, the key is really to understand their business goals, if I had to put it in the most simple terms, I think that when people do struggle with apps, they, they sometimes forget that this is all should all be tied back to a business, especially if they're a startup, you really want to be 
clear on what your actual business goals are because the app shouldn't be your business goal. You know, the app is, is a solution. It's a window into like, your product or your service. But at the end of the day, that should be one component of like your like sort of business work to dig into that with clients, make sure that they, you know, understand it fully, that they get us to understand it. And then from there, you know, deduct like, okay, what are going to be the top app goals that we need to focus on, uh, you know, given their business goals. And so that happens during uh, the discovery process. And we're constantly tuning and refining that process and trying to bring more user research into that initial discovery uh, doing more user journey mapping uh, with clients, uh, you know, again, really trying to understand, like, all right, those are your business goals. These are the app goals. Like, how do we get a user from A to B? Like, they download the app. How do we get them as efficiently as possible to, like, do what you actually want them to do? So that is uh, all of the initial discovery and design. Uh, there's sort of technical scoping that happens during that process as well. Then really, once you get into the like development phase, it really comes down to being on top of um, product requirements and uh, user acceptance testing criteria. Uh, you really have to work hard to be as clear up front as you can with those things so that one, the engineers know what they're supposed to be building and two, you know, so you know how to verify and test it. Um, where things can go off the rails during the engineering process and the build process is if you haven't done a good enough job really pinning down those, those types of um, user acceptance criteria for all the different features uh, of the app. Uh, so once we sort of do discovery and design, do the uh, product build, uh, the final piece for us is uh, the launch phase, working with a client to get everything ready uh, for the app store uh, if they need it, uh, help trying to help them with, um, you know, like app store imagery or giving them at least suggestions on that stuff if they have their own designers. Um, you know, so that's sort of the final fit and finish and launch phase of the process. And then from there, you know, if somebody has a, a longer backlog of things they wanted to do, uh, maybe we keep building in new features or they may just go more into like a maintenance mode. Um, but those are like, sort of all the key components of, uh, like the product life cycle, the initial like product life cycle. And what, you know, when someone comes to you for the first time and they're, they've got this app idea, which everyone has one, um, yeah. you know, everyone has an idea for an app. Uh, what, what do you see as the biggest mistakes that people are making? If they have a good, if they actually have a good app idea, where, where do you see their biggest mistakes in planning and mm-hmm. in this thing ready to go? I would say biggest biggest mistake is underestimating the uh, amount of time and uh, financial investment that's going to be required uh, from their end. It definitely is something where even if you're working with an agency, you're going to have to be very involved in the process. Um, and as it turns out, it's it may seem counterintuitive. You know, it's oftentimes actually like a solo founder who can be like difficult to work with because they're just strapped for time and we need their input. We need their time. So, you know, often my key suggestions are to try and find a good product manager 
someone you can bring on for equity, somebody who can handle the product side of things so that, you know, you can focus on the business and fundraising to, uh, you know, being conservative with your financial uh, estimates, uh, working with your agency to understand not only what is it really going to cost to build, you know, this initial version, but what is it going to cost to market it? What is it going to cost to sell it and, and maintain it? You know, um, once your product goes live and is out in the world, a lot of times that's when the real work begins. You know, you have people using it. Uh, you've got to market it. You know, you've got to get it in front of people. They're not just, they're probably not just going to find it themselves. If it's a uh, enterprise B2B app, you, you may actually need a, like a sales team to actually, you know, do cold outreach and drum up interest along with whatever digital marketing you're doing. Um, if it's an extensive service or something that does like video, for instance, um, you're going to have to have your budget for content distribution, keeping servers up and running, um, paying for engineering time and design for, you know, uh, updates. So, you know, it, it gets pretty involved and pretty expensive. And I think, uh, the, you know, time and money are, are just sort of two of things that I see folks uh, underestimate all the time when they're going down, uh, this path of, of building like a new product. Yeah, I can imagine that, you know, because it's because you're making really slick, simple looking apps, but that's the hardest thing to make. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you see like, I don't know, like eight, nine screens, you know, but there's a lot of planning and design and engineering that, you know, went into that, including whatever's happening behind the scenes with database server content distribution, you know, all of that stuff come together, you know, is what really drives the app. You know, um, if you want it on web as well, that gets more expensive. You know, some people want it on both. Some people still just go mobile first. Um, you know, so I think that, um, you know, in this day and age, if you want to build something of quality, you know, you, you really have to be, have your business hat on, and remind yourself that, you know, you're building a, a business, not, not just an app, you know, that's mm -hmm. typically how I describe it to people. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so let's talk about, you know, you have an example here of a uh, um, app. We're going to share it here. If you're listening, uh, you can go to YouTube and the link will be in the show notes because we're going to share a video or not share a video, but share a screen of, um, of the pinata app here. So this was one of your ones. Tell me a little about this project here and what, what went into it. Yeah. What, you know, how did you plan it uh, and, what, and how did you gauge success? Yeah, so th this is a unique project because they had uh, sort of start, started going down the path of trying to put together this whole product. And um, they were struggling because they sort of were in an, an analysis paralysis mode, I would call it. Um, and so we came in, uh, probably a couple of years ago now and helped, uh, sort of work with them to come up with their first minimum viable product. Their platform was designed to connect, uh, like brand ambassadors with brands so that they could do like on demand on site, like, uh, brand marketing and promotions. And so, you know, it's a, it's a challenging concept because it's, uh, two-sided marketplace it's got location aspects to it payment uh you know outgoing payments involved with it uh brands have requirements for what people need to wear 
you know, so it's a pretty involved uh, process overall. And, you know, they were struggling and, you know, it's, it's not trivial to figure out, you know, an ideal way to get all this going. And so uh, we sat down with them. Um, we really had made them really sit down and map out the absolutely essential like requirements and features of the app, um, which took a little time, probably took a couple weeks to like really iron that out. Some people had to give up stuff that was on their wish list. Uh, you know, I always tell people that you're just, you're just not going to get everything you want in your first version. Right. So had a lot of hard, you know, long conversations really was able to narrow down the app to like, okay, well, at the end of the day, Brands have to post available gigs and ambassadors need to be able to sign up and find those gigs. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on a web experience that lets brands like post available gigs. Let's focus on a mobile experience that lets brand ambassadors sign up, find brands that they want to work with, apply for those, go work the gig and get paid. So, you know, we uh, help streamline that whole uh, process from cradle to grave and then working with them on the design and the build out and the launch. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's one thing people are like, Oh, I just want an app that does this and this, and you don't think about the, the, all the processes involved. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. No. Cause like, uh, like here there's two, two sides, right? You've got the brands who need mm-hmm. help and the people who want to help. Um, and so what you see in the mobile app is one part of it. There's all this other stuff on the back end, or what we call like the admin where all these other parts of the system are happening. Like, you know, how are you getting gigs into the system so that people can actually, you know, apply to them. So we really work to educate clients that, you know, they're building a business and they're building a system. You know, this app is a, a window into their system, but they really need to have a, a systems level type of thinking because there could be multiple components to the entire thing. Users are just downloading the app, but there, there's usually a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for something this complex, because I can imagine uh, how, how long this takes. So, uh, now tell me, right, how is Pinata doing? How how did you measure success with this? Well, with startups, a lot of times we measure success by whether or not they're able to raise more money and bring on their own team, and uh, they were they were definitely successful in doing that. Um, I think they've since pivoted and gone into. I'd have to look at some of the stuff they're doing right now. Um, they basically tested out this whole model. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't too, too happy with like just the, the traction for it, or I guess logistically it was just a lot harder to pull off. I think yeah. signing, signing up the brands proved to be difficult. Part of the, part of the model was that, you know, they would, they would get brands to go away from using traditional agencies who just did this type of stuff or find to like brand promotion and instead get those brands to like sort of use their platform directly. And I think that that was like maybe a bigger uh, ask than brands were ready for. So um, they've sort of since pivoted and it built more of like, um, I don't know if it's a SaaS product. I'd have to check on the current stuff they're doing. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of the way the stuff goes, right? You know, you, you have to be willing to potentially pivot 
if you think you need to. Um, you know, that's why we, we really try to focus on getting clients to build something fast, um, effective, so they can get it out into the market and actually test it. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm looking at their website right now and it looks like, you know, that that it's been used by Nike and Pepsi and General Mills and Patron. So, uh, you know, it's, it's that they've definitely moved, uh, uh, the needle. So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, no, no, they, they got a great team and, um, you know, we, we always love taking on additional work from startups, but if they can, you know, actually get their own team, that's great too. Um, so let's, you know, when it's, no matter what someone's building, you know, we were talking before the show about what really is important for them to think about, uh, no matter what. And you were talking about that initial user experience. Why is that so important and how do you make it work? I, I think it's really important because, um, first impressions matter, you know, with anything in life. And that's your first impression. That's the first and first time somebody's going to experience your your service your product and so you have to think about that as its own unique thing um, when you're thinking about your app and why do i say that well you know let's say that you are a social media platform social media platforms are dependent upon having more than one person (laughs) doing stuff together so as part of your onboarding experience, if you haven't thought about that, you might go and build this thing where somebody signs up, they get thrown into some homepage and they haven't been encouraged to invite people to use it. They don't really know what it's supposed to be doing for them. And then you've like just lost not only that user, but all of their potential friends. So you have to understand that that is a very unique time where you've got maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds to, help somebody decide if they really want to keep using your app or not. Um, so we work with clients to really focus on that. You know, what's the most important things on the home screen? What are the things that we need to collect from users during some sort of onboarding? Can we get users to understand the app just from like some landing graphics uh, or information? Um, you know, those are a lot of the things that we work with clients on because, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, people, it's easy to forget, you know, you sign up for an app, you use it. Like, yeah, I've been using Instagram, I don't know, for like a gazillion years. I haven't gone through their onboarding process in a long time. Yeah. But, but presumably they've improved it. They've updated it. They've done a lot of work. So I, a lot of times actually we'll look at other apps and their onboarding and um, even sign up as a new user and see like, what are some apps that we've used for years now doing? to improve, you know, uh, the retention, the future retention rates for their app users, you know? That's critical. And what, what are the keys? What are the two or three things that you absolutely think that every onboarding process needs? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a very clear landing screen. We call that like just the first screen that a user would see. Typically that's got your sign up or your sign in, but just really, really clear sign up uh, instructions and, maybe give them a little overview of the app, a really great onboarding experience where you're getting the essential information you need, trying to get some information you'd like to have, but don't need and letting people skip over those. Yeah. And three, 
um, just a great home, uh, home screen experience. You know, once they've taken the time to sign up, once they've taken the time to get through your onboarding, you know, giving them something to see, even if it's another call to action, because maybe you still don't have everything you need, um, as opposed to an empty experience, at least you're giving them some sort of call out that there's like something else you need them to do to, you know, get utility from the app. And what are the big mistakes that we can avoid in the onboarding or on the home screen even? Yeah. Um, I would say having too many things on your home screen, you know, you really want to keep that a clean experience, a clean feed of information. Um, that really should be the place where users go by default to do anything um, with your app. The other stuff, user profile, search, maybe whatever, notifications, you know, put that stuff in other tabs, but focus your home screen on the stuff that whenever somebody comes to this app, like what are they going to want to see most quickly and, and do the most often? Like keep your home screen focused on those things. And, and that's not always easy, but that, that's the way you should think about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, this has been fantastic information. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, if, if you have any last piece of advice, someone's on the fence about building an app or, you know, where, which direction to go, what, what would be the final thoughts that you'd give them? <laughs> I would say, oh, man. Um, I'm giving you all the hard questions. I, I would today. Say, yeah. Man, I, would, <laughs> I would say product development's a lot of fun. It's not with this. It's not without its challenges. If you've never built a digital product before, it's a, uh, a humbling but really fun uh, experience. I would say that if you've definitely never raised money before, you really want to do your research, really understand the way uh, that money, you know, fundraising works, um, and don't get in over your head. Um, I would say start out small. If you have a little bit of money, maybe just do some design prototyping. You know, don't go building all this stuff. You know, yet. Once you start building stuff, it gets expensive, you know, so be smart. Even if you don't have a lot of money and you're bootstrapped, there's still like really effective things that you can do to push the ball forward and like help yourself raise more money and keep validating your idea. So, you know, I would always just be aware of the situation you're in and, and get as much as you can out of it. Uh, there's always something you can do uh, more effectively, you know, so if you've got your first to $50,000, like you probably want to invest that in more research, doing some design prototyping. You, you probably don't want to go spending all that on building technology because you're going to burn through that pretty fast. So that, that would probably be my, my parting wisdom. All right. That's awesome advice because I mean, a lot of people just want to go straight to the development. And I think that's a great yeah. way to manage that cash flow. It's so important. It is important. Apps are expensive, but the, the payoff is big as we've seen. Yeah. Uh, Christopher, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun talking about apps. And, and if you guys want to uh, find out more about sneakers agency, just go to sneakersagency.com and you can see all their work. Um, and then if someone wants to work with you, it, do you there's a get a quote button. Is that the best way? Yeah. To get in touch? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, click on to get a quote, fill in some key details, and we'll be in touch. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks again, buddy, and I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Chris and I taking us on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show.
video. You know it will make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. Facebook.